This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everyone. Quick heads up, there is some cursing about monkeypox ahead. You do not want to get the call Matt Ford got a few weeks back. So Friday, June 17th, I got a call from a friend I'd been hanging out with the weekend prior. And basically all at once, I learned he was pretty sure he had monkeypox. His partner and multiple of his friends thought they had monkeypox. They were just waiting on the Department of Public Health in LA to confirm that. And I was right in the time frame of when I would have been exposed. So on that call slash like right after it, I checked myself and noticed some bumps that I hadn't seen before. So in a span of like 15 minutes, I went from like living my normal life to, oh shit, I have monkeypox. Next came the flu-like symptoms, the fever, sore throat. I was like, okay, I definitely have some kind of viral thing going on. And then that Monday I went in, had a physical exam. My doctor was like, you know, it was like I was ET. It was like a, a patient zero, like quarantine zone going in. Was it like a full face shield and everything? Oh yeah, it was like full PPE. Like, I think they had like the computer keyboard covered. <laughs> like, it was kind of bizarre. One of the weird things about getting hit with an emerging infectious disease, Matt quickly realized, is that no one knows exactly what to do with you. And when it comes to monkeypox specifically, even other people who are infected, they may not want to talk about it. It's not cute, right? Like you have these lesions all over your body, like nobody's feeling like at their best or hot with like lesions all over your arms and face, like trying to talk about it or like warn people or... To have your name attached to it, I think, can stir up a lot of shame. Matt is not a fan of shame. So he went in the opposite direction. He made himself the public face of monkeypox. He wrote an article for BuzzFeed, walking people through his experience. He started complaining on TikTok. So my name's Matt. I have monkeypox. This shit sucks and you don't want it. And then he published his own guide to coping with monkeypox. What painkillers to ask for what creams to rub on your rashes. He called it, so, you got monkeypox. You know, there were multiple nights where it was so painful I couldn't even go to sleep. So I had to figure it out for myself, like how to get through that. Um, so I wanted to pass on that knowledge to other people who found themselves in the same situation. It sounds so DIY that you yeah. started this document. Like, it's not like, you're not the CDC. You're like a guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to put that on my tombstone. <laughs> You know, I have very mixed feelings about the CDC right now, um, and I just recognize that a lot of the care people are getting or the tips that they're getting on how to handle this really depends on the quality of their care, right? Like, I was super fortunate and had pretty decent doctors who, you know, did at least a decent job helping me get through it or prescribing me what I needed. A lot of people do not have that. When I spoke to Matt, he hadn't left his home in three weeks. After he went to the doctor to get diagnosed, Los Angeles County sent him a court order mandating that he stay isolated. Until every sore is gone, he could still be contagious. So every day, he 
He's in touch with the health department, texting them pictures of his body, hoping this is the day they say, you are all clear. You can leave the house. It sounds like even lucky people like you are stuck in a really weird, creaky system that doesn't know how to handle what you're going through. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of reflective of American healthcare, right? In my in my opinion, currently, that it's like a deep systemic issue. Like we can't just blame the CDC. Um, although I do put a good amount of blame on them at this point, which is really frustrating. Today on the show, we call people like Matt monkeypox victims. But this outbreak has got another big victim, our public health system. Why isn't it ready for this? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The monkeypox outbreak we're seeing right now, it's new in scale and scope. More than 8,000 cases have been reported worldwide in countries and areas that usually don't see the disease. By the end of last week, the CDC had confirmed more than 760 cases in the U.S. But the monkeypox virus itself, it's not new at all. Monkeypox has been around since the 1970s. We actually know a fair bit about it. So I called up Slate's main science writer, Shannon Pallas, and I asked her, can you tell me everything I need to know about monkeypox? Sure. So monkeypox is endemic to a few countries in Africa. It actually has come to the U.S. before. In 2003, there were these pouched rats that were hanging out next to prairie dogs, and then the prairie dogs were sold as pets. I love that we've traced it, like, that far back. We're like, well, first there was a a pouched rat. The point there is that it it has popped up previously. Um, So the current outbreak started spreading globally in May when someone traveled from one of these regions in Africa where it was endemic, and for some reason, it started spreading around globally. And the issue now is that it's not spreading from animals. It's spreading human to human, right? It's spreading human to human. And so that's the, the big concern right now. When did it first appear in the United States this year? Do we know? I want to say May. Tonight, an unprecedented global spread of monkeypox has the CDC on alert. And at first, a lot of public health people were like, you know, this isn't COVID. Like, we have the tools to fight monkeypox, like maybe we have this one in the bag. People should just be aware of symptoms, but but not be afraid in any way. We have this huge stockpile of smallpox vaccines. Uh, monkeypox is related to smallpox, so those will be useful. Um, it doesn't spread through the air in the same way COVID does. One estimate I saw was that if you were talking to someone with monkeypox face-to-face, you'd have to be speaking to them for three hours in order to catch monkeypox that way. Whoa. There's some debate around that. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't spread quickly. And so that's the reason it hasn't been a concern before now is like you kind of have to have the exact right conditions for it to get out and about. 
What are the exact right conditions? Because I keep hearing it is not an infection that only impacts one kind of person. But so much of the public health messaging around monkeypox seems to revolve around gay men. Can you clear that up? Like, why is that? It's interesting and it's nuanced because I don't think it's incorrect for a lot of the messaging to revolve around men who have sex with men. That is the population where it is spreading right now. That we know about. That we know about, right. Those are where the cases seem to be popping up. So to get monkeypox, you have to be really like up close and personal with somebody, rubbing skin, rubbing a piece of clothing or a sheet that they have rubbed, perhaps talking to them for a really extended amount of time. So this is not something that you can necessarily catch just in the course of your day-to-day life, depending on what your activities are. You know, it's not necessarily a sexually transmitted infection per se. Like it it doesn't transmit through um, sex fluids, but it transmits through like through intimacy. Right. If you have a network of people who are being intimate with each other, it makes sense that it will spread around that population. At the same time, it is not exclusively going to spread around this one population in the future. It might not even be spreading just around this one population right now. There have been a couple cases reported by the World Health Organization and kids. The other big worry is that monkeypox will hop to animals in the States and then if it hops to animals, we kind of have an ongoing monkeypox situation on our hands. Because it'll keep going back and forth, like animal-human, animal-human? That's the worry, yeah. I have a couple of questions, just like basic, basic questions. If I'm worried I might have monkeypox, like what should I look for? What should I be on the lookout for? The lesions are like the telltale sign of it, those like little bumps with like the black dots. The other main thing that you want to think about is like, does any does anyone in my network have monkeypox? Is this is this a realistic thing for me to have right now? Who am I hugging? Who am I hugging? Who am I having sex with? Um, who am I standing face to face for three hours and speaking to? You said this interesting thing, which is that at the beginning of this outbreak in May, there was a thought among some public health experts like maybe we got this in the bag. Like we have vaccines that can be used as treatments. Can you explain like what we have that could actually treat monkeypox or prevent its spread? So the main thing is this Genios vaccine, which it was developed for smallpox. And it's part of this big national stockpile of smallpox vaccines. So it's not even actually for monkeypox. It's for something else. It's approved for monkeypox. It's it's kind of a multi-purpose uh, vaccine. So we're, we're not jury-rigging a vaccine here. It is approved for monkeypox. But the reason we have it originally is we were stockpiling smallpox vaccines back in the early 2000s because of concerns around bioterrorism. So we have a whole bunch of smallpox vaccines. There are three main ones. One of them is the Genios vaccine, which is the one we have the least of. And that's the one that's specifically approved for monkeypox. We really want more of the Genios vaccine right now. Who in the U.S. should be scouting around and looking for a monkeypox vaccine right now? Right now, they're recommended for men who have sex with men. That's it. That's more or less it. The eligibility requirements in some cities are wider than that. We're not all going to get monkeypox vaccines. That's not a realistic strategy right now. We, We simply don't have enough. You know, we need to be doing more testing to really nail down where it's spreading. Has anyone in the U.S. died 
while infected with monkeypox? No one, to my knowledge, has died. The last time I checked on Saturday, there were three people who had died globally of monkeypox. So it's really not a disease. This strain is not killing people. That's not the main concern. Well, so looking at that information, not to be cold, but why should I worry about monkeypox? Like, it just doesn't seem to be seriously hurting that many people. The reason why you should be worried about it, I've been thinking about this a lot, because you probably really shouldn't be worried about catching monkeypox right now. Me personally, like me, Mary Harris. Like, (laughs) I was looking at the California uh, Department of Health, where California is one of the states with the most cases. They even have this little chart comparing monkeypox to coronavirus, being like, loud and clear, like, this is not COVID. We're not at risk of, like, a COVID situation where we all lock down in our houses. The larger thing that's happening right now and the larger thing that I hear public health folks getting upset about is we could have had monkeypox in the bag. We had these tools. It wasn't spreading rapidly. And now we're in a situation where people who have been deemed at risk are having trouble getting tests and vaccine appointments. And this is just a larger public health failure. You know, I found on Twitter last night, there was a um, a Google Doc where just a person was like, I've collected all of the information from all of the cities that are offering the monkeypox vaccine. If you think you need the monkeypox vaccine, like, look at this sheet. And you can see on the sheet where it's like, you know, in San Francisco, this clinic is offering them on Wednesday until they run out. And in this city, you can check this Twitter account. That's not a system. Yeah. Why isn't there a centralized system? If you're at risk for monkeypox, the onus is like really on you to figure out how to how to get the vaccine, how to assess your risk. And I think the personal worry for you and for each of your listeners is that, okay, maybe monkeypox isn't personally such a big concern, but there are going to be diseases that hop over from animals that do affect you personally. And that where you are in the risk group, if you're not in the risk group for this one, you're going to be in a risk group for a future one. And you're going to have to do the thing where you go on Twitter and (laughs) refresh Twitter to try to figure out where there are available vaccine appointments. We all did it with COVID. We don't want to keep doing this. This is not good for the health of our country. This is not like a good functioning system that we have here. After the break, we've known about monkeypox for years. We've even had a vaccine. So why has the government been so flat-footed here? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let's let's break down a little bit of what you've said here, because I think it is really powerful and important. Tests and treatments were already available for monkeypox before this year's outbreak. So it sort of feels like the government should have been on this in a big way early on. I want to start out by talking about what happened with testing, because that's like the first thing. (laughs) It was the first thing with COVID. It's the first thing with all of these emerging diseases. Like you want to know where the condition is and who it's impacting. So what did testing look like in the early days for monkeypox? And what does it look like now? And how much has it changed? So starting out, the CDC was basically routing all of the tests through them. Isn't that exactly what they did with COVID? Yes. (laughs) And it was a mess. It's ridiculous. Yeah. In the early days of testing, New York City could run 10 tests a day for monkeypox. Whoa. Liz Heileyman, a medical editor and writer, wrote a piece for me titled, We Need to Keep Better Track of Monkeypox. And she talked about this one guy who she nicknamed Andy, who came back from traveling in a place where monkeypox was circulating. This was a little bit earlier during the outbreak. And he had these symptoms of monkeypox, but he didn't have the lesions on his body, those like little spots or sores. And he went to get to try to get a monkeypox test, and they tested him for STIs. They thought he might have cancer. Like, But they didn't think about monkeypox on their own. Well, you have to have, up until like very recently, you had to have one of these bumps on your body to be swabbed and tested. And now there's a saliva test that's going out to the public, which can hopefully catch it earlier. But yeah, the point is that you you have to be really diligent to track down a test, to advocate for a test, to say, you know, I don't have these telltale lesions yet, but like, I really think it's monkeypox and I'm going to stay on top of it. Yeah, I I found this woman on TikTok who was talking about how hard it was for her to be diagnosed with monkeypox and how she just went from doctor to doctor. And she would literally say to the doctors, like, could this be monkeypox? And they were like, what's monkeypox? Doctors have refused to see me and I have this mysterious and painful rash all over my face, chest, arms, back. Meanwhile, three doctors had no idea what I was talking about when I said, is this monkeypox? Yeah, it's ridiculous. So I would imagine now, first of all, I think we're reaching a point where like, we're all a little bit more aware of monkeypox than we were even a couple of weeks ago. So I'd imagine if you go to a doctor now and try to get tested for monkeypox, they're at least going to know what you're talking about. The other major thing that's happened is the CDC, you no longer have to route tests through the CDC. So everything's just going to happen a little bit faster. And there are also, you know, one company said that they're releasing a saliva test to the public this week, which means that you could test before you have those lesions to be swabbed. So that's also a good development. So testing has been bad, has been bad in familiar ways, but it looks like maybe it's going to get a little bit better soon. So let's talk about treating, because we talked about how there are these vaccines. Talk to me a little bit about how the vaccines are getting distributed and what it tells you. So the vaccines are going to major cities and they're mostly being made available primarily for men who have sex with men. And they're also a key thing is they're being made available for people who have time to like 
show up to a clinic and find that there aren't appointments left. They're being made available for people who have time to go on Twitter and track down appointments. It feels a lot like trying to buy like sold out concert tickets. The city health department. I mean, I can tell you that New York City released monkeypox vaccines and then, you know, 2,500 appointments were booked up in a matter of minutes and people didn't know how to get them. Kevin Catino, a gay man, was able to snag an appointment through a link he got from someone in a group text. Biggest hurdle is to find out where to get the vaccine, like where to find out how to book a vaccine appointment. The vaccines are in high demand, but limited in availability. A line formed outside the Chelsea Health Clinic before the city's pride parade. Vaccines quickly ran out. The health department announced... Are public health officials saying we don't have the funding to do things right or the manpower or the authority? Like, where are they locating their complaints this time around? It's a little bit hard to suss out right now where the complaints are. I've seen I've seen some competing opinions, um, you know, maybe like the CDC wanted to have control over the testing process for too long. That's a big one. Um, the local efforts to get vaccines out are not coordinated enough. That's another one. I keep coming back to this one that's like very small bore research focused. I was reading this article in Science Magazine uh, by John Cohen, and it was talking about the possibility that monkeypox is going to hop back to animals in the States. A researcher who's been studying monkeypox and animals said that one of the challenges in knowing what's possible is just a lack of interest. Funding for diseases that are not currently wreaking havoc is hard to get. Funding for diseases that are wreaking havoc (laughs) leaves something to be desired. The thing I realized was bothering me about the monkeypox response is that I feel like you're right. Like a lot of what I'm seeing is familiar from the early days of COVID. But I feel like with COVID, I was willing to give the government a little bit of a pass because COVID was an international crisis and There were like freezer units outside of hospitals where people were storing bodies. You know what I mean? Like it was a full crisis of kind of unimaginable proportions. But then I looked to our response when it comes to monkeypox and I'm like, oh, maybe we're just bad at this. And that's what I find really alarming. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, what we're seeing is still individuals really having to step up to the plate and take care of themselves and take care of their communities in a way that feels bad and unacceptable. I mean, overall, we're not in a great moment for public health right now in the States. We have the novel coronavirus still circulating and however you feel about catching COVID, like that's not great. We have um, many states outlawing basic health care for women and people with uteruses. And so that's not great. We have a gun violence crisis and monkeypox just feels like it's emblematic of all that other stuff in some ways. It, it seems like there's an increasing um, lack of ways to keep yourself safe other than just like really taking care of things for yourself. It has really struck me that you can order food on a delivery app and watch the person going and picking it up on a little icon on the screen. But you have to to figure out where the monkeypox vaccines are 
resort to basically someone talking a piece of paper to a bulletin board on the internet to figure out how to get it. Shannon, thank you so much for walking me through all this. Thank you for having me, Mary. Shannon Pallas is a senior editor at Slate. Before we go, I did ask Matt Ford, who I talked to at the top of the show, what he planned to do when the Los Angeles County Health Department finally does give him the okay to leave his house. Just to be able to sit close to my friends would be nice, <laughs> like in the same room. Yeah, I'm imagining like a full-on Disney, like you open the door and the birds are singing and the sun is shining, yeah. and like you're like skipping down the street or something. Exactly. I just like snow white my way back into society. Matt, here's to hoping it all works out soon. If you are looking for more information on monkeypox, go on over to Slate.com. There are a bunch of writers who are doing a ton of work to demystify what's happening right now. Start by searching for All Your Monkeypox Vaccine Questions Answered. That's by Hannah Dr. Loeb and Emma Wallenbrock. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Mary Wilson, Carmel Del Shad, and Madeline Ducharme. We're getting a ton of help right now from Anna Rubinova, Anna Phillips, and Jared Downing. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine. And I'm Mary Harris. I'll be back in this feed tomorrow. Talk to you then. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.